Alright, shalom everybody, nice to see everybody, nice to see you guys <coughs> Just because we're still in the three weeks So we have to just say, mention something about the three weeks, we can't avoid it The three weeks is a special opportunity to really come close to Hashem In the three weeks, you begin to really feel, and which is a blessing Because at least you can feel it, normally all year round, God forbid, we can be numb numb but during the three weeks there's a gift to feel the distance from Hashem to feel the distance from from Emuna from fear of heaven you feel it you feel ah there's no temple and I feel drained you feel drained out of it this in itself is the gift of the three weeks that you're made to feel at least a little bit of your distance from Hashem so because of that I, I mentioned this many times the Maggid of Mizrich he would explain the verse from Eicha that we read on Tisha B'Av. The verse reads, Kol rotfeha All those who tried to pursue Jerusalem breached her, reached her and breached the walls of Jerusalem between the tightness. In other words, it's like someone who's cornered, you've got them. Right? So to Jerusalem was cornered by the enemies, Nebuchadnezzar and afterwards the Romans, okay? That's the simple meaning. And the, the sages explain that the that the, the walls of Jerusalem, between the walls refers to between the 17th of, Tam, of Tammuz and the 9th of Av. That's called Mitzari means like a, a straight, a tightness, okay? So the Magid of Mizrich would explain like this, Kol Rodfeha, all those who pursued her, Rodfeha, has at the end of the word Yudke, Rodef, pursue, and then Yudke from Hashem's name. Hashem's name, Yudke. And then Hisiguha, all the, 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 trans, the simple translation, all those who pursued her, reached her, reached Hisiguha, reached her, in between, in between the, the, the tightness, the straits. The straits of of the walls. So the Magid goes on. So all those who pursue Yudke, Rodef, Rodfeha, can can reach Yudke. Again, Kol, kol Rodfeha, Hisigua, sorry, Hisigua, can reach Vavke. Hisig means to reach Vavke. So you have Hashem's full name here, Yudke, Vavke. And the Magid would say, the Magid of Mizrach would say, that this is the most powerful time, these three weeks, to come close to Hashem. On one hand, it's morning, but the purpose of mourning is to get you closer to Hashem. That's why they say also that these three Shabbatot, Shabbat Pinchas, this coming Shabbat, Matot Masay, and Dvarim, are like the highest Shabbatot of the year. You crack up, you say, what? We're mourning, everyone's out of it, it's a sad attitude, and yet, it's the greatest time to really connect to Hashem these three weeks. Bezat Hashem. So just to keep that in mind, of the power of these three weeks, the laid-back attitude, the morning attitude, this morning, you know, there's a custom from the Arizal every day at noontime, whatever noontime is where you are, if it's 12.40, uh, p um, p.m. If it's 12:15, you have to see on your on your on this money, on the times based on where you are. At noon time, for about about approximately half an hour, to uh, mourn over the destruction of the Beit Hamikdash, the lack of tzaddikim, 
the lack of the light of tzaddikim. Rav Nosin, he writes that if there's anything which makes a person slack in his devotion to God, it's because he's lacking the light of the tzaddik to push him to serve. You think in life, you're doing, you're getting up in the morning, I'm putting on tefillin, I am doing mitzvot, if the little bit of good I'm doing is accredited to me. But Rav Nosin writes, really, it's the light of the tzaddikim because they work so hard to serve Hashem through midat hadin, through darkness, they're able to have a merit of drawing the light of God to them, and then they share this light with the rest of the Jewish world, the rest of the world. They're called the light of the world, the tzaddikim. Okay, they're called the eyes, the enayim, enayayda, the eyes of the community. They're the ones who give us light to see, clarity. It's the lights of the tzaddikim shining in the world that give us the ability to put on our tefillin, to have some positive attitude, to daven, to pray. So in a way, the tzaddikim are accredited to having a big part in our devotion. Okay? the major- If you want to say the majority, <laughs> it's scary to say that, but yes, even the majority of our devotion is thanks to the light of the tzaddikim. So that when the tzaddikim pass on, when they leave this world, the damage is even twice as severe. The Gemara says that the, Gemara, the damage is twice as severe as the destruction of the temple. Why? Because now I feel dark. I feel empty. I feel alone. I feel like my davening doesn't make a difference. I feel too heavy to learn Torah. Everything in my devotion is now affected with the lack of the tzaddikim shining into my life. So because of that, Rav Nosen says we have to mourn over the tzaddikim. We have to cry over and recognize the lack of the tzaddikim. By doing that, you create a vessel to receive again the light of the tzaddikim. Because the tzaddikim, they never pass on. They never, they never leave this world, the tzaddikim. There's a bit of a lot of noise here. One second. Okay. There's, a, there's by, 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 by doing what's called effer, effer is ashes, by mourning over the effer, the ashes of the lack of the tzaddikim, the lack of this light, Hashem turns the effer, effer is aleph, pei, resh, that's ashes, Hashem turns it to pe'er, pe'er, the same letters, moved around, switched around, pei, aleph, resh, what's pe'er? Pe'er is the glory. The Hashem exchanges Pe'er Tachat Efer. It's an expression. Pe'er Tachat Efer means that Hashem turns the ashes into something glorious. Meaning what? If you mourn over, if you recognize the lack and you make a mention of it, you make mention of it, you, you, you are aware of it, so Hashem compensates you already in this world. Hashem gives you what's called Pe'er Tachat Efer. You're Zoche, you have the merit to see light again. But you have to mourn over it. You have to recognize it. Why do you have to mourn? Because the mourning creates a vessel. It's a vessel. That's all idea of mourning. So that's the value of the mourning in these three weeks. <coughs> and it doesn't mean we have to be sad always. It's a certain time. The Arizal said for half an hour. That's it. Half an hour. Take time in your day to express the difficulties you're going through in that half an hour to express that it's a result of the mourning due to the lack of the light of the tzaddikim in the world and by recognizing that I'm able to reactivate the light of the tzaddikim that's amazing alright with that said 
we're going to continue with where we left off. We have some amazing insights, I hope, to give, God willing. Bezat Hashem, let's see how this works out. So we're holding, if you remember, in Likute Moran, lesson 205. We're at the end of paragraph 2 in the Breast of Research in, uh, uh, edition. It's page 38, volume, volume 11, lesson 205, page 38. The very last piece of section 2. So Rabbi Nachman is giving a stronger and stronger proof of why Psalms is the remedy, why 10 Psalms is the remedy for something which is considered the worst transgression and automatically for anything underneath that. So he says like this, Okay, he says like this. This is the concept of what it says in Psalms, chapter 32. It says in chapter 32, which is the second psalm of the ten psalms making up Rabbi Nachman's Tikkun Akali, general remedy. This is the first chapter, chapter 32, is the first chapter, believe it or not, in the book of Tehillim. In other words, from chapter 1 to 31, you don't have this. In chapter 32, it's the first place that King David stresses the, sincerely repentance. The concept of tshuva, repentance, is first expressed in this chapter, chapter 32 of the book of Tehillim. Okay? And it's the second chapter of the Ten Psalms. He says there, Ledavid maskil. Of David, le David, to David, of David, maskil. Maskil, we said, translates as an enlightening psalm. Maskil is one of the ten types of song. If you remember, we spent months on maskil, and it's not by chance, it shows its importance. We're going to get into the importance of maskil. Maskil, we said, is like, for example, where King David received a divine inspiration. To give it to write to, to to reveal a song used for Tehillim, but he wouldn't reveal it directly. It would go through a disciple. He would have maskil al turgeman. A disciple would be in front of King David or in front of the sons of Korach. Any of the tzaddikim who composed Tehillim, and you see this usage of the word maskil, it's because it was in, it was received second stage from a disciple, and the disciple with his filter. Would, would reveal it properly. That's how, that's how Hashem wanted it to be, that it should go through a second phase in Revelation. But you have, if you noticed, in the book of Psalms, sometimes you have Maskil le David, an enlightening song of David, and sometimes you have like here, le David Maskil, first King David's name, and then Maskil, and sometimes you have Maskil le David. And Rabbi Nachman goes into that. It's about where the divine inspiration started. Here, it's David, King David, who initiated receiving the divine inspiration. That's why it's it's accredited to him. His name is first. Of David, an enlightened song, as opposed to an enlightened song of David. So here it's King David who initiated the maskil. This song, we said maskil, is the song which corresponds to the Targum, the Aramaic, if you remember. 
corresponds to the admixture of good and evil. That's the domain of where maskil, this song, comes from. It's sifted out. Okay? In the Kabbalah, maskil is very high. Maskil, I mean, this is in terms of Kabbalah, it's above our level. The maskil is called Yesod of Ima. I can't go into Kabbalah so much, but Yesod of Ima means the foundation of the Sphira, the Kabbalistic energy level, energy level called Ima, mother. Whose mother? That's Bina. And Yesod of, Ima, of Bina means it's like the starting point of going down from the level of the intellects all the way down to the practicality. There's energy, ten spherot. We went into this, I think, last week also. They're divided into two sections. You have the mentalities, Chochma, Bina, Da'at, or Keter, Chochma, Bina, Da'at. That's the upper spherot corresponding to the mentalities. The right side of the brain, the left side of the brain, the part which is the cerebellum, if you want to say. God doesn't have, God forbid, these parts. But in order for us to understand, we have to use what's called anthropomorphisms. Okay? So you have the upper part. The skull is like keter, the crown. Like a skull is a crown. So those are the mentalities. And then you have the seven lower spherot, which are the right arm, the left arm, the torso, the right leg, left leg, etc. So the beginning of the transmission is from what's called yesod of ima. Yesod of ima is the foundation of ima. In other words, the energy is going down now. It's starting to come down. Maskil the Kabbalah teaches, is Yesod, which normally is down below. It's all the way down below. But it's, each sphere itself has also inside of it another ten spherot. We went into this last week. This Chesed of Chesed, Gvur of Chesed, okay? You have ten in total in each one. Each one has ten of them in each one. So there's a Yesod in this level called Ima. Okay, we won't go too much into it. But Maskil is really a very important transition. If you want to say this is the song <clears throat> that connects all the other nine songs to Malchut, to the last Svira. It connects everything to finalize it. It's like Mamash, it's, <coughs> it's connecting the holy world, the realm of holiness, to the world of impurity. That's the idea of Maskil, that's where it stands, okay? It's a lot to say about it, and it's very deep. So, of David, an enlightened song... Let's let's go back to this the, the literal translation. King David says, Ashrei, fortunate, is someone who Nesui Pesha, whose transgressions, Pesha, are forgiven, are, are removed, Nesui, are like foregone, are like you know, they they, they 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 give you a break and they take them off of you. Okay? The verse continues, by the way. Kesui chata'a, and whose sins are covered up. Okay? Before we go on, we have to explain here. There's a lot to explain here. Let's hope we have enough time to explain everything. The Gemara says, in the Talmud says in Yoma, you know, in the confession that we say, we have to mention three types of iniquities, of sins. There's what's called chet, Avon and Pesha. And the Gemara goes to explain what is Chet, what is Avon, what is Pesha. Chet is what's called a sin which is accidental, shogeg, an unintentional sin. You didn't mean to sin, but it happened because of, you know, slacking and, and lack of 
learning a lack of, you know, being careful. And some say that even you, you, you fell into your lusts, you didn't want to, but you fell in due to situations in life, due to constrictions in life, due to pressure and stress in life, and you did something that you really didn't want to do, that's also considered, if you really regret, it's considered a shogek. For unintentional sin, regret, harata, f- cleans it. It cleans it. When a person brought a sin offering to the temple, it's called a korban chatat. Korban chatat rectifies the, the sacrifice of a sin offering. It rectifies unintentional sins. What does the person do? He puts his hands on the animal and he does a confession. He does a confession of his sins that he did unintentionally and he regrets them. He does a confession and regrets. <coughs> Sorry, and he puts it on the animal, on the head of the animal. So that when the animal is sacrificed and burnt on the altar, it, the, the Zohar says, Hashem takes the brokenheartedness of the person bringing the animal, that he's transferred his brokenheartedness, his regret onto the animal. So Hashem takes that regret and Hashem gives nourishment to the evil side from the physical part of the, of the sacrifice. The physical part of the, parts of the sacrifice, at least parts of them, like the liver, etc., and all those blood and, and veins connected to the, to the liver are all given to the evil side, whereas as Hashem takes exclusively the regret of the person. That's called a sin offering. What's an avon? Avon is an intentional sin. Avon, intentional sin, meaning that a person, due to a crooked, a crooked, upside-down perspective, he believes and understands that doing something wrong is okay. Doing something which is against the Torah, for whatever reason, he believes and understands, due to a crooked way of perspective, he believes that this is the right thing to do. So on one hand, you can't blame him because his head is upside-down. But he's doing it intentionally because he doesn't believe that this is something wrong. What's wrong with eating on Yom Kippur? What's wrong with not eating, with not eating kosher? What's wrong with transgressing Shabbat? God forbid. But a person has such a demented perspective of Torah, of Judaism, of even morals, if you want to say, and he believes that something wrong is okay. What's wrong with being gay? It's all right. There's no problem. All right. So what did the Torah says? You don't understand what the Torah says. <laughs> they throw back on you. So it's you don't understand. What? We understand clearly. Everything's all right. So that's that's called an intentional sin. That's an avon. Pesha is worse. Pesha is a merit. What is a merit? Where a person is rebellious. He's upset. Hashem, I'm going to show you that I'm upset at you. I'm going to, God forbid, the person says he's going to eat on Yom Kippur. He's going to not keep Shabbat anymore. He's not going to do anything right anymore because he's angry. This is what you do to me, Hashem? This is how you treat me? I'll show you. Right, God forbid, a person has a merit, a rebellious attitude, and he does something wrong and he knows that it's wrong, and he does it to make Hashem angry, God forbid. Uh, I gave it over in a class last week, I'll say it over again, and a, a classic example, a typical example of a rebel is a story, a famous story regarding the Ramban, Nachmanides, Rav Moshe ben Nachman, who lived in Spain, he's buried or in Haifa or, or in Hebron, it's not clear exactly where he's buried, it's more assuming that he's buried in, in Haifa, below Haifa. 
he had, when he was living in Spain, Aragon, the section called Aragon, he had a disciple named Avner. This Avner was a, a very smart disciple, and something happened that he fell off the path. He fell off the path and became a Mumar. A Mumar means someone who goes against Judaism and begins to worship and embrace idolatry, God forbid. So he became like a Christian. And because he was so smart, he was ex ex accepted in the high ranks of the government. He was considered someone very prominent in the government in Spain. Okay, this is way before the Inquisition, by the way. <coughs> so, people had a fear for him. He had such a, an authority in the government that people were afraid for him, of, of him. One Yom Kippur, he summoned his teacher, his Rebbe, with the Ramban. On Yom Kippur, he summoned the Ramban to come before him. Nachmanides, the Ramban, came. Is on Yom Kippur. And in front of his Rebbe, this Avner took a pig, slaughtered the pig, roasted the meat, and ate it in front of his Rebbe on Yom Kippur. And then Avner asked the Ramban, my teacher, how many transgressions did I, did I do now? So the Ramban said, you did four transgressions. And Avner says, no, I did five. And the Ramban had such a distaste, such a displeasure with his student, his ex-student, he gave him a very bad look. And for some reason, this bad look from the Ramban put a little bit of fear in Avner's heart because he still had some type of fear from the past. It was his teacher. He, he, knows the, he, knew the, he knows the greatness of the Ramban. That's why he's doing this, to try to put him down because he knows his greatness. So the Ramban gave him a look and this Avner got a bit scared. And then the Ramban said, tell me, what brought you to this? What brought you to such a low level? Such a disgusting low level? You're one of the best students in the yeshiva, and now you come to this, you eat in front of me pork on Yom Kippur, you slaughter in front of me and eat it and roast it on Yom Kippur. He said, it's all because of you. He said, why? Why is it because of me? He says, because you once said something which I cannot accept. What did I say? You said that everything in the world, everything in the world is hinted to in Parashat Hazinu. Hazinu, the parasha called Hazinu, in that song of Hazinu, Parashat Hazinu, everything in the world is hinted to in that parasha. And the Ramban said, yes, and I still say that. I still say that everything in the world is hinted in the Parashat Hazinu. Because of that, you dropped everything? He said, yes, I couldn't accept it. He said, I still say that. She said, okay, so show me, prove to me that I, I am hinted to in Parashat Hazinu. Where am I? Avner found in Parashat Hazinu. The Ramban said, give me a moment. He went to the corner. He dove into Hashem. And then he came back and he said, I found you in the parasha. Where? The third, the third letter of the following four words. Okay? Af Ehem Ashbita Me'enosh Zichram. Hashem says, if the Jews don't follow the Torah, right? So, Af Ehem. Af Ehem means, I will angrily destroy them. 
Ashbita, and I will seize, like the word Shabbat, a, a cessation, freeze. I will freeze and stop Me'enosh from mankind, from society. Zichram, their memory. They will totally be blot out and dis- disappeared. So af, out of Af Ahem, I will again, I will angrily dis- destroy them and silence, you know, put a stop to their memory in society. So he said, the Ramban says, look at the third letters, Af Ahem, Aleph Pei, Aleph, that's Aleph, Ashbita, Aleph Shin Bet, that's Bet, Me'enosh, Mem, Aleph, Nun, that's Nun, Zichram, Zain, Chaf, Resh, spells out Avner. <laughs> he said, here, you're hinted in this verse, here you go. He heard this, he started to shake. He fell to the feet of the Ramban in panic. And he said, oh my God, you know, is there hope for me? What can I do for repentance? And the Ramban, who wasn't so happy, he said, well, you heard what the verse says. (laughs) You heard what the verse says. And he walked away. In other words, Hashem says, I will destroy them and seize their memory from mankind. In other words, there's no hope for you. As if there's no hope for you, and the story goes that no one, not, no one knows what happened to him. Avner took a little boat, went into the sea, and never returned. No one knows what happened to him. He disappeared. Okay, but the story is an example of merit, or someone out of rebellion, like an anger, a hatred, whatever. He does something which is wrong, but out of out of spite. Okay, that's called pesha. On Yom Kippur, and every day when we do confession, we ask forgiveness for all three types. Not just for a chet, an unintentional sin, but even if we did an intentional sin, where we did something because we think wrong, we did an avon, and even a pesha, which is even worse, which is a rebellious act, okay? Which you would think, there's no tshuva for that. That's the most severe. The most severe is what's called pesha, okay? (coughs) On Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol, if you take a look in the in your Machzor on Yom Kippur, in Musaf, when we say, when we recite the devotion of the, the high priest on Yom Kippur, if you remember, it says that the high priest, the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, would put his hands on the Korban that was offered to forgive the sins of the Jewish people on Yom Kippur. So the Kohen Gadol would say, Anna Hashem, O God, he would reverse the order, Avu, Pashu chatu amecha. They have avu avon. Pashu, they have done a pesha, which is the serious one. And then chatu, they did a sin, unintentional. He switches the order. We say normally, we start from the easy one, chatati. I did first an unintentional sin. Aviti, I did an intentional sins. And pashati, I did rebellious sins, rebellious actions. We do from the the, the lowest, the least damaging to the most damaging and on Yom Kippur the, the Kohen Gadol starts <clears throat> with the severe, the most severe he says, Hashem, your nation has done intentional sins, Avu Avi Pashu, you, sh- you should ask how come it's not the reverse, it should say first Pashu, which is the serious one that's the rebellious act, and then Avu the, the Gemara goes into that why they don't do the exact order but he starts off with the most severe and then he goes to Chet not just him 
even Moshe Rabbeinu, when Hashem revealed to Moshe the 13 attributes of mercy, what do we say there? Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum Vechanun, Erech Apaim, Verav Chesed, Vemet, Notzer Chesed Lalafim, Nose, you, you, I won't translate the whole verse, but we'll get to the end part. Nose Hashem, you're someone who lifts up. Nose Avon, Avon, Moshe Rabbeinu starts with Avon. He switches the order also, like the Kohen Gadol. Right? Avon. Avon means the intentional sins. And then Pesha, the rebellious sins. Okay? And the sins, the unintentional sins. And you clean them. <coughs> Sorry. The Gemara asks, why the reverse order? Why the reverse in the order? And also, what does it help to ask for the severe sins and then the less severe sins <laughs> if you're asking for the severe sins so for sure Hashem will forgive the unintentional chet if you ask forgiveness for the avon and the pesha which are severe so there's no need to ask for any more for the chet the unintentional that's automatically forgiven if Hashem forgave for the severe ones for sure Hashem will forgive for the smaller ones so the Gemara explains that Moshe Rabbeinu and the Kohen, the high, uh, high priest they ask Hashem on Yom Kippur, why are we mentioning first Avon, Pesha, and then Chet? We're asking Hashem, please transform the intentional and rebellious sins of the Jewish people into unintentional sins, a shogeg, unintentional sin, where just charata, regret, is already enough to activate forgiveness. When a Jew wants Forgiveness, if he expresses his regret, his charata, and he confesses and he feels bad about what he did, that already cleans the unintentional sin. Amazing, okay? That's all that's needed. The Rambam himself says, the Rambam says in the laws of tshuva, the most important part of tshuva is the charata, the regret. If you regret the things you did wrong, you're already on the right path. You have a good chance that Hashem is going to clean you but the thing is, to get Hashem to agree, to turn everything I did intentional in my sins, in my life, all my intentional sins and all my rebellious acts, that Hashem should transform all that into unintentional, okay? So Pesha, we come up with, is real serious sins, okay? That's serious. So King David, in the verse, let's go back to the verse. King David is saying, Le David maskil of David, to David is a song. What's the song about? Ashrei Nesui Pesha. Fortunate is the person whose Nespesha, whose rebellious sins have been lifted up. Nesui. And the verse continues. Kesui Chata'a, which can be translated as in the context of the Gemara. Kesui, covered up as an chata'a. Chachet is an unintentional sin. Fortunate is the person whose rebellious act, actions, sins, iniquities are lifted up and covered up as unintentional. Covered up. Okay? <coughs> this is unbelievable. So Rabbi Nachman points out, look at what it says in Lukut Imran. The first letters of Ashrei Nesui Pesha, fortunate is the person whose intentional rebellious actions are lifted up, spell out, Rashi Tevot, Na'af, Nun, 
Aleph Pei, you have Aleph Ashrei, Nesui Nun, Pesha Pei, Naaf, what's Naaf? Naaf is Niuf, what's Niuf? Immorality, sexual immorality, which also involves wasted seed. And here, Rabbi Nachman hints it, this is scary, in Pesha. What's Pesha? Pesha is rebellious. Until now, until now in the lesson, lesson 205, Rabbi Nachman started off this lesson, a rectification for a nocturnal emission. Mikre Laila. What's a nocturnal emission? A person is sleeping, God forbid, and he has an emission. We consider that unintentional. That's considered a chet, if you want to say. The person, he thought bad thoughts during the day, but now he's unconscious, he's sleeping, he's caught off guard, and the evil force heats him up to have an emission, which is considered unintentional, it's considered a chet. It's damaging, it's very damaging. Oh, it's big time damaging. But it was done unintentionally, he didn't do it purposely. He's sleeping, while sleeping he had bad dreams, and he got attacked, okay? Until now, we spoke about a chet. Here, pesha is not that. Pesha is, God forbid, outward adultery. Outward, I have to say it, masturbation, God forbid. Even mas- where it's intentional, it's even much worse. And yet, Rabbi Nachman is hinting to, fortunate is the person whose pesha is lifted up. Let's go on. Shehu nichna, that adultery, pesha, rebellious activity, even masturbation, I have to say it openly, is subdued, the evil damage caused by even sexual transgressions, which are peshaim, okay? It's subdued, al yedei bechinat ledavid maskil. It's subdued to the concept of, to David, a maskil, the opening of the verse, right? The verse read, ledavid maskil, ashrei nesu pesha. Rabbi Nachman's reading it, that ledavid maskil, the, uh, uh, of David, a song called Maskil. This leads to fortunate is the person whose rebellious sin is lifted up. What causes fortunate is the person whose who's rebellious sin is lifted up? Le David Maskil. Look what he says in Likut Imran. It's subdued through Le David Maskil. Tehilim. In other words, Tehilim subdues. Even the intentional iniquities, rebellious actions, specifically sexual transgressions. Unbelievable. Here is a proof from Rabbi Nachman that Psalms, namely the ten types of songs of Psalms, namely the Tikkun Aklali, can fix and rectify even rebellious sexual transgressions. Here's the proof. He started off the lesson with unintentional. A chet, a nocturnal emission. Here, he hints to Pesha. Okay? And the Pesha is turned into the, 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 the end of the verse. He doesn't quote the end of the verse, but the end of the verse is Kisui Chata is covered up as an unintentional sin, where all that's needed is the regret. So it doesn't mean, okay, so a person will do intentional sins, and okay, I'll say Tikkun I'll be okay. It doesn't say that. It says that your iniquity, rebellious action, is turned into kisui chata'a. It's lifted up and turned into chet. Where in a chet, what's needed is the regret. If you don't have regret, the tikkun aklali won't work. Unbelievable. It won't work for intentional sins. A person has to have at least some type of regret. That's tshuva. 
I regret doing my pshaim. I regret doing all the rebellious actions I did against Hashem. I regret doing my intentional sins. Now I've woken up in my life. I see it was wrong. Shuva helps. He's teaching here. Psalms in Shuva is what helps. Unbelievable. So the David maskil through to, of David is the maskil. Ashrei nesupesha. He says it's subdued. That the damage caused. What's what's subdued? The damage of the adultery. The damage of the masturbation, the damage of wasted seeds, which like we said in earlier classes, anything bad, bad happening in the world is due to these, what's called pigla'e adam, the wording of the Zohar, these damaging forces of mankind, which are called mazike alma, the damaging forces of the world, which emanate due to wasted seed. Right? The Zohar says that the damage of the flood, the generation of the flood of Noah, was created, the, the damaging force to flood and kill the whole world in the time of Noah and to destroy them with burning hot water. The Zohar says, because they wasted their seed through adultery, through bestiality, through outward masturbation, the generation of Noah, they were super duper immoral, super duper immoral. <coughs> And the Zohar says it was their immorality that caused their own destruction. The evil forces created by the immorality is what actually went out to destroy the world, to cause the flood, to heat, the, to burn their bodies and to burn everybody, except for Noah. Noah was a tzaddik, his family were tzaddiki, moral compared to the generation, okay, and they were saved. And that's how it always is. If there's damage happening in the world, if there's damage from the corona, whatever's happening in the world, we can attribute it to the damage caused by sexual transgressions. That is why Rabbi Nachman made such an emphasis on the Tikkun HaKlali, on its benefits, and spreading it throughout the world. Whether Breslev or not Breslev, get it out. It'll help people. It's going to help people alleviate much, much damage affecting them and affecting the world. That's how powerful it is. Okay? This is stage one. This is unbelievable. This is an unbelievable proof. People don't pay attention to what's written here. But he's saying that. Ledavid maskil, Ashrei Nesui Pesha. Fortunate whose rebellious act is lifted up. What rebellious act is he hinting to? What's in the first letters? Naaf, Niuf, Nun, Aleph, Pei, Immorality. The question is now, he calls, Rabbi Nachman calls, the whole book of Tehillim, he calls Tehillim by one term. He calls, and in Tehillim there's many terms, there's ten types of song. <clears throat> and yet, Rabbi Nachman singled out Le David Maskin. Right? To, of David Maskil. What did he say at the end of this paragraph? The Hainu Tehillim. In other words, Le David Mes Maskil represents Tehillim. Why does that specific wording represent Tehillim? For this, we have to go into Zohar. It's amazing. Rabbi Nachman didn't invent things, he revealed secrets that were there all along, and he paid the price to dig deep and to uncover them. The ten types of song are really mentioned in the Zohar, in the Gemara. Just that he made the connection how the ten types of song can subdue even the worst type of damaging sins. Okay? That's, that's the insight that he revealed. So it's, believe it or not, hinted to in the Zohar. Which Zohar? Parashat Vayikra. If you, if you have a chance to look in the Zohar. Parashat Vayikra, page Kuf Aleph, page 101a. There, the Zohar 
starts talking about Yom Kippur. It goes into the devotion of the high priest on Yom Kippur. And all of a sudden, the Zohar shifts, shifts to talk about the ten types of song. Ten types of song which make up the book of Tehillim. And it starts like this. It says the it's already brought down in the Talmud, in the Gemara, that there's the ten types of song that King David and the other tzaddikim used to write the book of Psalms. And then it says, it goes into Tnan. In other words, we want to go into this. Ledavid Maskil. Ledavid Maskil, which is one example of the ten types of song. And the Zohar only talks about this one. So the Zohar started mentioning ten types of song. And then it goes into this verse, Ledavid Maskil. And begins to give insights only on this verse as the representation of the ten types of song. And so the commentaries explain that, like we said, that the David Maskil, this type of song is like a connector. It's an opening, it's like a conduit for the other nine types of song. That's how powerful it is. It's a conduit here. <coughs> and because it's the David Maskil, this Rabbi Nachman says, it's King David who initiates the maskil, as opposed to what I mentioned earlier, you have maskil le David, you have a song, uh, an enlightened song of David, here it's of David, an enlightened song, it's showing that the tzaddik, King, King David, is initiating from below to receive the maskil, as opposed to where Hashem gave from above, from an arousal from above, in Hebrew it's called itaruta dilela, from an arousal from above, Hashem is giving King David this enlightened divine spirit from above, coming up, down. That's maskil David. Here it's David maskil, that King David is forcing, pushing, killing himself to receive the light of this maskil. That's why it says first of David, because he worked super duper hard to open up an opening that Hashem should send him this divine inspiration of maskil. That's why it says first David maskil. So then, the Zohar goes into the wording here. <clears throat> it says there's very diff- there's a lot of difficulty in the wording. What's the difficulty? Okay, number one, nesui, nesui pesha, which translates as fortunate is the person whose rebellious acts are lifted up. But the word, the gra- grammatical format of nesui is plural. Plural nesui is many things being lifted up. Pesha is in the singular format. If someone wants to join here, one second, please. Nice to, nice to see you, Rav Zeltzer. Okay? So, so Pesha is in the singular format. Nesui is plural. The Zohar asks another question. The rest of the verse, also the same problem. Kesui chata'a. Fortunate is the person whose sins, unintentional sins, chata'a is in singular. Chata'a is this chet, masculine, and chata'a is feminine, but it's singular. And then kesui, covered up, it's plural. Kesui, when you have a yud at the end, it's plural. It could have, it could have been kesa'a, another term like that, kesa'a, like singular. Fortunate is the person whose sin is covered up in singular. Why is it in plural? So the Zohar says something unbelievable, and I really hope we come up with this with major encouragement and major hope. The Zohar says that you have wicked people, wicked people, Rashaim. You have wicked people, <coughs> and they're called wicked. 
specifically, the Zohar says, because of sexual transgressions. A rasha, okay, or ra, the classic example is Er, the son of Judah, his name was Er, Ayin Resh. When you switch the letters, it's Ra, it's bad, right? Rasha is, is from Ra. Ra is in the name Rasha, you have Ra, Resh Ayin. Er, Rabbi Nachman points out, was called bad because he wasted seed. If you remember the story in the Torah, that Er married Tamar, Tamar was extremely beautiful. He didn't want to ruin her beauty by getting her pregnant. So he would have relations with her, but he would do what's called onanism, right? Onanism is he would ejaculate outside of his wife. He didn't want to get her pregnant. So he would have relations with Tamar, but so that she shouldn't get pregnant, he would, he would have wasted seed outside of, outside of Tamar. So she shouldn't get pregnant. Okay? So because of that, he's called Ra. His, his name hints to what happened to who he was. Er, Ayn Resh, backwards is Ra. So the Zohar says, Ra and Rasha, they're synonymous. The Sheen is a whole different thing. We can't go into that right now. But Ra and Rasha is especially someone who's blemished in sexual immorality. He's, that's called Rasha. So the Zohar says, someone who's Rasha, he has to be destroyed. The Zohar says this. Okay, we, 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 There's no conclusion yet. The Zohar says, a person like that has to be destroyed. So the Zohar says, but how about the good deeds this person, this Rasha did? Rabbi Nachman says, you can't have someone who's 100% evil. It cannot be a Jew who is 100% evil. 98%, 97%, 90%. Majority of Jews are not 90%. Even wicked people and the Jewish people, they're not even 80%. Maybe they're 60%, 50%. Jewish people are Jewish people. There's something good. In Yiddish, it's called a pintelayid. A pintelayid in Yiddish means there's a spark. There's a good spark. Okay? But now the person is evil because of his sexual transgressions. He has to be destroyed for that. So the Zohar says, so what happens with his good deeds? What happens with the good he did? So the Zohar says something unbelievable. The Zohar says there that the good deeds of the wicked people are given to complete tzaddikim who left early this world, who died early, who died young, tzaddikim who passed away young and could not complete doing more mitzvot even though they wanted to. So Hashem takes the good deeds of these wicked people and gives it to the tzaddikim who passed on, because we're talking about a wicked person who dies now. What happens to his good deeds now? They're given to a tzaddik who passed away early, passed away young, so that it helps him to cover himself up. The Zohar says, look at the word in the verse, kisui, right? Fortunate, ashrei nesui poesha. Fortunate is the person, happy is the person whose rebellious sin is lifted up and whose inten- unintentional sin is chata, is covered up. What does it mean covered up? Like a garment. The Zohar says, when you, when you cover yourself with a, a garment. So the Zohar says, the tzaddikim take the good deeds of the wicked and they cover themselves up with this garment made by the good deeds of the Rashaim. That way, these tzaddikim who passed away early, why did they pass away early? It's not because they finished their job, but like the Zohar says, the Gemara says, the Midrash says, that tzaddikim leave the world early because of the sins of the generation. 
when you have tzaddikim who die before their time, it's because the generation is too steeped in evil that the only way this tzaddik can help them is if he agrees to be a kapara, to be an atonement for them by leaving the world early. So on one hand there's a loss, we lose this tzaddik, but on the other hand there's a gain in that he atones and gives us like more time. He gives us more time to do, to do tshuva. He gives us like, by Hashem, okay, I'll give you another 10 years, another 20 years world to do tshuva because I took away this tzaddik. This tzaddik could have helped you. You didn't listen to him. You don't want to listen to his advice. So we'll take away this tzaddik before his time and I'll give you more time to repent. And if it happens, God forbid, again, that they get even more destructive and more immoral, then Hashem takes away another tzaddik before his time. So tzaddikim are taken away before their time, yes. They didn't finish their job. So on one hand, the tzaddik loses out. So the Zohar says that tzaddik is able to complete his garment with the good deeds of the wicked people, specifically wicked people who were immoral, or sexual immorality. Okay, this is what the Zohar says. Now watch this unbelievable insight. I hope, I hope you'll see this as I do. I'm just amazed by the insight here. Rabbi Nachman, in his book, Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom, in Hebrew it's called Sichot Aran, if you take a look there, Rabbi Nachman talks about this concept. Rabbi Nachman mentions there, towards the beginning of the book of, of Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, that you have some people who come before the heavenly throne totally naked. Naked meaning no Torah, no mitzvot, nothing to cover them up. They're naked because the Torah and mitzvot are considered garments. So these, these, these people... They're so bad, if you want to say, that they're considered naked. In other words, their, 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 their good deeds are not enough to cover them up, so they're considered naked. It's like a person who has a little button, and he's totally naked. <laughs> you can't use the button to cover himself up. He can't hide behind the button. It's a tiny button. He has a little button, okay, and he's totally naked. So we call him totally naked. You know, we don't, we don't consider the button. The button doesn't help because it doesn't cover up his body. He's naked. So the, the, he says there, Rabbi Nachman, that such souls, they're totally naked, that heaven has no choice but to throw them into what's called kafakela. Kafakela is a very, very bad punishment. It's even worse than hell. It's worse than Gehenam. It's called the hollow sling in English. Kafakela. It means a person's soul is just like in limbo and in non-stop motion without rest forever, for eternity. It's very damaging. The Gemara, the Gemara says, the Zohar says, Kafakela is even worse than Gehenam. At least in Gehenam, you come out with something. It's like putting you in an oven to bake you. At least you're baked. At least you're cooked and you're ready to be you're usable. But Kafakela is like there's no usage at all and the person's soul is put in a hollow sling meaning, hollow sling meaning that it just is empty and no purpose and just unrest for this soul forever so Rabbi Nachman goes on to say they want to take this soul who's naked and, and they, in the heavenly court they decide he's totally naked there's no use of him there's no good deeds of any value so we will throw him into the hollow sling comes along a tzaddik and takes his garment and covers up this naked soul. <clears throat> and he says there, Rabbi Nachman, that the heavenly court, they say to this tzaddik, how dare you cover up this naked soul? 
he has no good deeds of his own. Why are you taking your garment and covering him up with your garment? It's not his garment. He said, I need him. I need him to do something for me. You know, like for example, he brings the example there, that when you have like a, a high aristocrat who needs something done, he's, and, and he needs something from another aristocrat, and he tells the servant, okay, servant, get the horses ready, get the wagon carriage ready, and go to, to do my bidding. So after an hour, the aristocrat sees that the servant didn't go yet. He says, why, why aren't you going? I told you an hour ago to get the horses ready, get the carriage ready, and go set forth to the second aristocrat. He said, please forgive me, but I have no proper attire, no proper dress code, and my clothing is not ready. He said, I don't have time for this. Here, take one of my clothing. So the aristocrat gives the servant one of his garments to him. He said, now go. Go do what I ask you to do. So the tzaddik, he uses this defense in heaven. He says, I need this soul, this naked soul, to do something for me. I, I need him to do some type of a mission, a spiritual mission. And he can't go like this. So I give him one of my garments. And Rabbi Nachman says, this is how this tzaddikim can save even the most wicked souls, the most naked souls who have nothing. The Zohar here is hinting to this. Unbelievable. Just uh, look how far-reaching. One second, one second, Kadur. It's how far-reaching are the teachings of Rabbi Nachman. It's unbelievable. I'm shaking when I, when I saw this and the connection, I just flipped out. The Zohar said that their tzaddikim will pass away young. Rabbi Nachman passed away young. He passed away at age 38. Okay? And we know that he left before the time. He said himself that it was because of the, the, the lack of the generation that he had to leave in order to activate rectification. He could have lived longer. He said himself, if you would dove it enough, you would keep me in this world still. If, you, if your prayers were, he told Rav Nosin and the, on the breast of a Hasidim, if your prayers were strong enough, you would have been able to keep me more longer. But it turned out he left, Rav Nosin writes, he left before the time we lost out such a light. Okay, the Zohar hints to tzaddikim who leave the world before their time. An example is Rabbi Nachman. Their garment is incomplete. How do they complete their garment? From the garment of the wicked, this wicked soul who's naked and has a button. He has only a little button. The tzaddik takes the button to add to his garment. The tzaddik has a nice suit, a nice jacket, everything is ready. And the tzaddik is missing a little button, let's say. Where does he get the button from? He takes it from the rasha. So now, the rasha has a part of this tzaddik. So he's a, he's a naked soul, but the tzaddik has a garment that has some affiliation with this naked soul. So that when, what he said in Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, the tzaddik takes his garment and puts it back on the wicked soul, and they say, Nevin, what are you doing? He's naked. He said, I need him. Why does he need specifically him? Take somebody else. Because anyways, the tzaddik got his garment completed anyways. Kisui chata'a. Kisui is covering up of the chata'a's unintentional sin. Because you can imagine when a, a wicked person goes up to the heavenly court, it's only then that he regrets. But his regret doesn't really help in front of the heavenly court. But the tzaddik can take his regret, kisui, he takes the garment made from the good deeds of the rasha, he puts it on himself, so he has a complete garment. So it's kisui, it's a garment which is made complete. Why is it in plural? We didn't answer yet. So why is it in plural? Kisui is plural. Kisui chata'am. 
because it's from the garment of the wicked person, but now became the garment of the tzaddik. So that's why it's plural. It's the wicked person plus the tzaddik. That's why it's plural. Chata is one sin. The sin of the rasha of the wicked person. Kisui is a covering in plural because it was initially meant to be, supposed to be the garment of the wicked person himself, but it wasn't enough. It was only like a little button. So we give that button to complete the garment of the tzaddik. That's why it's plural. Kisui. Okay? So now it's a garment which is connected to the tzaddik and the rasha. So now the tzaddik has some type of affiliation with this wicked person and he's able to save him. To save him even in the next world. Unbelievable. Just the inside, how far reaching it is. Unbelievable. I'm flipping out when I saw this because the connection is so clear. It's unbelievable. What comes out of this is that Rabbi Nachman's message is there's hope. He himself, Rabbi Nach- you have to understand why does Rabbi Nachman stick out so much? We're not brainwashed, we're not a cult. There's something special about this tzaddik and that his whole essence is to give hope for the worst person in the world. The worst person in the world. If he has just a modicum of regret, something, even the biggest rasha, even he's a poshea, he's a poshea, he's a, a rebellious sinner, he was a rebellious sinner, he was a, he was an avaryan, he was a, an intentional sinner, the tzaddik's able to transform that because that's what, again, the, Yom, the the Kohen Gadol and Moshe Rabbeinu, they use the reverse order. We said, they say first Avon and Pesha, because they're able to transform people's iniquities and transgressions, which are intentional and rebellious acts. The Tzaddikim of the caliber of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest on Yom Kippur, and plus Moshe Rabbeinu, in, like is illustrated in the 13 attributes of mercy that Hashem revealed to Moshe Rabbeinu, right? When we say the 13 attributes of mercy, we start off, Vaya'avor Hashem al-Pana Vayikra, right? Vayikra Hashem Hashem. The verses there is Hashem talking to Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem was revealing to Moses the secret of the 13 attributes of mercy. This is Moshe Rabbeinu's aspect is the 13 attributes of mercy which start off with avon and then pesha and then venake chata sorry the the intentional rebellious transforming them to unintentional who can do that the tzaddikim the tzaddikim have the ability to take the worst sinner the person that there's no hope avner the avner of the ramban you know (laughs) if it was rabbi nachman possibly he would be able to rectify the ramban told avner you know, you saw what the verse says. There's no hope for you. <laughs> the Ramban, the story we said earlier about Avner. Avner said, is there hope for me? And the Ramban said, you saw what the verse says. And he walked away. That's Rav Moshe ben Nachman. But Rabbi Nachman, in a way, is a bit, we have to say, unfortunately, it's, it's scary for me to say this, but in such a situation, Rabbi Nachman does give hope to an Avner. To even an Avner who eats pork on Yom Kippur, who's intentional in sinning and transgression, rebellious and everything, if there's regret, the tzaddik can take the person's levush, his garment, which is like only a button, and make a garment, and then give this garment back to cover the wicked person totally, and make him merit the world to come, Bezat Hashem, and that there should be hope for him in the long run at the end. Unbelievable. So this is what comes out of this. And again, that the Zohar started mentioning Yom Kippur, and then it stopped talking about Yom Kippur, 
and went into the ten types of song, and then in the ten types of song, went into this verse, because this verse from the Tikkun Aklali, this verse from chapter 32 of Psalms, verse 1, really contains the whole secret of Psalms and the whole secret of the Tikkun Aklali. The goal of the, of the general remedy is this verse. This is the goal. That's why the Zohar mentions the ten types of song, and then it goes into explaining only this verse, because this verse is the secret to the whole book of Tehillim. This answers why Rabbi Nachman calls, he says, look again looking inside, that adultery, na'af, niuf, is subdued through the concept of the David Maskil, Ode of David, an, an enlightening song. Da'ainu, in other words, Tehillim. He calls the whole book of Tehillim the David Maskil, just like the Zohar calls the whole ten types of song. It coins it in this term, in this verse of the David Maskil. And the message of Tehillim is this message. Fortunate is a person whose rebellious activities are lifted up and then covered up as a garment of a sin offering, of a sin, not sin, sorry, not sin offering, a sin, an intentional, an unintentional sin where regret is enough already. That's the whole secret of the Tikkun Akali in that one verse. And that's why Nachman points it out. That's what it seems. So that was power packed. Uh, it's our wish that we should begin to value even more the Tikkun Akali because it's far-reaching power. It's more than you can... It's not just saying 10 chapters. That's why it's so difficult. It's something just saying 10 chapters. Whoopie do. Okay, big deal. To say 10 chapters, what's that going to do for me? And the answer is, it's going to do a lot. It's far-reaching. If you, if you know the secrets behind these 10 chapters, so a person will be saying them all day, every day. <laughs> but once a day is... If only we can say it once a day. I'll vie if we can say it just once a day, God willing. All right. Well, I think we finished. We went over time. Bezat Hashem. It's better if you have questions and that maybe just uh, email me at uh, breastlifttherapy, B-R-E-S-L-O-V, therapy at gmail.com or my WhatsApp number, one, uh, plus one, 732-800-1863. Okay, I got to rush off now for davening. Thank you for joining. I hope this class was illuminating because for me it was very much illuminating. We should have the merits in the, in the like, Rev, like Rev, Rev Nosen writes at the end of Likute Moran. The last lesson of the official Likute Moran is lesson 92, part 2. Rav Nosen says there that in the merit of Rabbi Nachman's Tikkun Aklali, Mashiach should come, the third temple should be rebuilt, and all the Jewish people should come back to the Holy Land. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. God willing, have a great week. All the best. All right. All right. All the best.